0: You're listening to The Gamer Podcast. My name is Eric from the Gamer.com editing team, and today we're talking about No More Heroes 3, the Marvel's Midnight Suns gameplay reveal, a preview of Life is Strange True Colors, and the Pokemon Unite Blastoise update. Let's go! Welcome to the show. Let's talk about No More Heroes 3. I'm here today with Travis Touchdown himself, Dave Aubrey. What's good? <laughs> For some reason, that's not what I expected you to say. I obviously wasn't sure how to come in. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, George Foster's here. Hello, hello. And Jake King. Hello. Okay, Brains, you reviewed this game, yes? Yeah. What was your score? Three out of five. Didn't love it. Didn't hate it. Yeah. Tell us about No More Heroes 3. Actually, it should be No More Heroes 4, isn't it?
1: Kinda. Kinda. Okay. It's, it's like a Kingdom Hearts situation, I think. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, god, Let, Let's not get started on Kingdom Hearts. Heart. <laughs> you trying to get me to yeah. play this game?
0: Alright.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. No
0: More
2: Heroes 3 uh, picks up directly after the end of No More Heroes Travis Strikes Again. Which was, uh-huh. was, of course, the grand return. Um, which was the, the, it was a couple of years ago, not too long ago. Okay. Uh, um. So yeah, he's he's back. Aliens have invaded. They immediately start messing around with everything. A couple of people die. Won't mention who. Um. And then Travis is all like, "Well, best beat them in," and it just so happens he's gonna beat them in like ranking order because that's the way video games work.
0: Yeah. So the the setup I've I've seen trailers. This is how much I know about this game. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of like The Boys, right? They're like superheroes. And, I don't even and know the what The Boys is. Oh no! People keep saying that we're, shit. We're talking me. past each other. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like um, Invincible. I watched a couple of episodes. Okay, okay, <laughs> we're getting warmer. Yeah,
2: <laughs> it's like it's Scott superheroes
0: Pogo. but bad guys.
2: Yeah, so. Um, you know, I, I was actually replaying the original No More Heroes fairly recently. Me too. And, uh, and, you know, it's, I want to say, I'm going to put this in quotes, it was grounded in the sense that now, you know, Travis can, like, turn into, like, a mech warrior Tokusatsu style, sure. and, like, back then, he couldn't do that. <laughs> back was there then, superheroes he... in the other ones? There were, there were, like, sp- I would call them unnaturally powerful humans, but I wouldn't uh-huh. necessarily say they were, like... They're not wearing uh, capes, as, and... They're not as crazy it is, as it is right now. Not as crazy yeah. as it, as it is. Um, okay. But yeah, I remember, like, like a, as anyone that's played the first No More Heroes, remember, like, the first enemy you go, come across is a guy called Death Metal, and he just has, like, a million piercings and a really big sword. That's his whole right. thing. That's it. Um... So the game, the series has become so iconic because Suda51's at the helm and he has this absurdist, wacky uh, sense of humour and he wants to put in references to stuff he loves. He wants to put in really ridiculous action. He doesn't care if it actually makes all that much sense contextually, but the cooler it is, the cooler it is, you know? And he he has continued that all the way up to this. Like, every moment of No More Heroes 3 is... Uh, All at once being its own entirely unique thing and being something else because it's being inspired by something. For example, like you have these uh, crazy uh, bike missions where you're motorcycle racing through long tunnels and you are like slamming cars off the road. It's super dumb. And then when they end, it's like the Akira power slide. So good. So good. Love the Akira power slide. Who (laughs) does. Yeah, it's so good. And uh, then there's the combat and the combat's really, really Really good, actually. It actually carries most of the game. And the cutscenes when you're fighting all these uh, ranked bosses. So good. So entertaining and breaks the fourth wall all the time. There's a another early enemy which um, uses magnetism powers. If you are like the wrong polarity, he will pull you into his attacks and vice versa. Um, and before the fight starts, Travis is like, we've got to make this easy for the gamers at home. If you're the one polarity, put a big S over your head. And if you're the other, use a big N. They'll like that. And, you know, it does loads of really dumb stuff like that. And I okay. really, really admire it. Um, And that's a lot of praise. So uh, the reason why I gave it 3 out of 5 is because yeah. outside of, like, the the combat and the action and the humor, it's it's kind of dull. It's kind of dull. This is a problem with the other normal Heroes games as well. It was, like, in order to get to your next assassination rank fight, uh, you would have to... Earn a lot of money and then buy your way in after completing some challenges and in this you have to like Beat a bunch of smaller fights, which are over pretty fast And then you need to like donate a bunch of money into an ATM to get to your next big fight And then that means you will likely have to either not buy extra items in the overworld or you'll have to play extra mini games and that drags the pacing down very suddenly after these like really intense and action-filled boss fights and it it, it it's, it's a struggle to motivate yourself to get over those moments uh when the game shines it shines but when it's not shining you're wondering why you're playing
0: okay what but what is the actual gameplay is it open world okay so uh there, there isn't there
2: is an in quotes open world. You drive around on a motorcycle, but it is a glorified mission select hub, you know. Okay. You will go to different parts of this world and like it will be clearly marked in the mini map. Here is where this shop is, here is where a ranked fight you can activate is, here is where some of the mini games are, you know. Like yeah. driving around is uh, also not good. Performance is not good when driving around. The open world performance and how it looks really bad actually. Tell you about the really, right? Yeah, the frame rate, the resolution, the it's it's is oh the driving around the uh, in quotes open world is really really bad, uh, but then when you're in the action, when you're in the combat, you're it is an action game. It is sort of like a less polished version of what you the sort, sort of combat you see in like games like Bayonetta and Devil May Cry. Oh, okay, uh, n- nowhere near quite as deep as those, but mm-hmm. it has the those roots and uh, you feel it. It does feel good in the moment and in the action. You know when it's in a fight. The fights are pretty much always in like their own little battle arenas and therefore 60 frames because they've designed it for it. The open world can't do it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in those moments, like I said, it really can shine. It's primarily an action game. You fight these guys, make some money, fight these guys, make some money, fight the next big boss. Uh, it does mix up, like I said, with like bike races and other mini games. And uh, Travis also can, like I said, turn into a giant mech warrior. And that does change how gameplay works. But yeah, it's it's a broad, broad strokes action game and RPG stuff, too. Or no? you do uh, you do level up your abilities, but I I wouldn't say RPG, you know. Okay, so basic stat increases
0: and such. So irreverent and charming, but not the most polished experience. It sounds like that's what you're saying.
2: Yeah, it's not the most polished. This is this is a this is what's a little bit weird for me. Yeah, I just dropped a bottle of water on the floor, though. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> it, it, this is a little bit weird for me, because, like, on the one hand, you know, whenever I'm writing a review, uh, I, I think to myself, this review is basically, it's it's a, it's informing someone on their purchase decisions, you know? Right. That, that's the purposes of reviews, in my eyes, first and foremost. Uh, you know, we can talk about art criticism, but I really feel like that's better explored in, like, more broad strokes features. When I look at reviews, I think, first and foremost should someone buy this product, you know? Yeah. And uh, when I recommend No More Heroes 3, I'm like, is this the best video game ever, or even of the year, or of the summer? But probably not. Of the month? Uh,
0: <laughs>
2: maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, however, you know, this is a game which is made squarely for the fans like like i said the the story picks up after three previous games and it's a kind of convoluted story if you actually want to keep up with all these characters where they come from who they're related to etc uh and if you have come this far and you are aware of the characters up till now then you're gonna like it because all those games are also jank as hell just like this one you will know exactly what to expect um but if I'm informing someone that's not familiar with No More Heroes and they say, should I jump in here? I'd be like, mm, mm, no, 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 <laughs> no, not when the other games are on Switch as well.
0: Yeah, I it seems to me like it didn't matter that much how good the game was because its fans are just so dedicated at this point. Yeah, mm. George and Jade, you're both fans
1: of the series. I'm sorry you for yet. ranting so long, team. <laughs>
0: Have you had a chance to play this play the new one?
1: uh yeah i haven't played too much i've probably played like two hours but yeah it is and having like played a decent chunk of the first one recently as well it, it is very much a newer iteration of that game like i still describe no more heroes as a relatively niche series like mm-hmm. no more heroes 3 is made for the fans and i think both the fans and studio 51 are keenly aware of that so they've they know the sort of flaws and janky bullshit they can get away with because sure. fans are going to come into this for the characters, the the references, the zany humour and the combat. It's it's somewhat similar to Yoko Taro, I suppose. Like even games like Near Automata and Dragon Guard Free and stuff, like those are good games in their own right, but they also come with their fair share of bullshit that you are happy to overlook because you know the creator's vision there is always cohesive. And having played No More Heroes 1 recently, as I said, like No More Heroes 3 is tremendously similar in its layout. Like you're you're killing, I think it's 10 or 11 people. And the, your task is to reach the top of the leaderboard. In the first one, it's more for personal gratification. But in this one, Travis is doing it for revenge and to save the planet. So it's it's incredibly stupid. Like the opening of the game is, Kind of like an 80s anime cutscene, which riffs on ET. Like this little boy is making friends with this cute little alien, and then he he helps him get home, and they make a connection. And you think, oh, it's sweet. And then he comes back in the opening, and then he he says hi to his friend, and he's all grown up. And oh, it turns out the alien you helped is an evil prince who is also a warlord, and he's come to destroy the entire planet. And like he scorches a city in one cutscene, and he's like, fuck this, like kills them he he beheads the president of the united hey states when that happens like on camera <laughs> and that bit's pretty sick and he's like yeah i'm in charge now like <laughs> you come and stop me and then travis touchdown is just he's basically just a loser otaku who bought a sword on ebay and mm-hmm. loves anime girls but he's like i'm gonna save the planet and kill these aliens like they don't act like it's out of the ordinary and i think that's yeah kind of what makes No More Heroes so wonderful like it's fully aware of how stupid it is but it leans into it being the norm and that to me that's a sort of game I do love to play like I played the first one haven't played the second and I played Travis Strikes again but I was I loved Travis Strikes again because it does some really cool inventive stuff because it's so low budget so I Mm -hmm. came into this expecting less than what I got and I think that's why I'm quite taken with it how long is it Marines? uh
2: if you are going to try and mainline the story and spend minimal amounts of time with side quests uh i'd say you could probably get it done 15 20 hours maybe a little bit more yeah I like I like spending a lot of time doing dumb stuff and clearing up the question marks on the map so
1: it sounds like a show i would love to watch
0: <laughs> yeah
1: like if you like Stupid anime crap. Like it's great. Yeah. It's like Deadly Feminition. You come into it. Well, it's not nearly as janky as Deadly (laughs) Feminition. Yeah. As a game, Deadly Feminition is hot garbage. But this is this is in terms of like the gameplay of No More Heroes 3, it's way better than I expected it to be. And it's an improvement over the last two games. But Mm -hmm. yeah, like playing it is great, but I think a lot of people are here for the characters and the story content. Yeah. It's almost something
0: it almost sounds like a game i would just
3: rather watch.
0: George okay. have you had a chance to play it yet?
3: Uh yeah, so i'm about i'd say 4 hours in. I haven't like put too much time into it yet, but i've taken down some of the bosses and it feels like the sort of like the the best of the trilogy, well, quadrology i guess, but i i loved 1. Yeah. 2 was pretty good. Uh this feels like it takes everything like all of the identity stuff of the first second game like really just goes for it but also improves the gameplay like it is definitely the best playing out of all of them um yeah all of the like criticisms are true as well like the open world is kind of crap and it doesn't look amazing and it's kind of janky but it you know what you're in it in for like don't start with this one go in for the first and then you know you'll know what to expect but i'm really enjoying it i'm having a blast so far it's just one of the most self-aware games in a while it's just doing what he wants to do uh, and i really respect that
1: I think that's why there was such a big, dis- like when reviews came out, you had some places giving it four out of tens, and others who were clearly long-term fans were sharing it with nines and tens. Where we fell squarely in the middle. Mm. Like I think, uh-huh. I think that's a good reason for that disparity in reception, and it, it comes down to people who are viewing this as a game, like does it play well, and fans who are reviewing it as like this surreal, off the wall. Virtual experience, which it very much is, and I think I think both those points are valid. Like, but Dave lands in the middle and recognizes both of those.
2: Mm. Yeah, I com I completely agree with that because you know we we th- I've already said plenty about the complaints, and you know I think you both sort of like concurred to degree. Uh But yeah, like when you are playing it, it does feel like a peek inside the mind of Suda. Yeah, and I, I do really appreciate that. It's just. Entirely unique in its presentation and what it attempts to do and be. Uh, I really can't think of many other games in the medium that have, have, that do this kind of thing, uh, especially not given any kind of real budget. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, it's it's really good. And and uh, no piggybacking off of another thing Jade said earlier. Um, the, yeah, the, it, this is definitely a step up from the other games. Like. I loved uh, No More Heroes 1, and, you know, No Heroes 2 is, like, generally accepted to be not as good, but fun, you know? Uh, But when I describe that game, I'd say it's a hack and slash, and I use that term because hack and slash feels kind of... It's messy. You press the button, you hit the guy, eventually they die, you know? Mm -hmm. That's what happens, I think, of games like uh, Heavenly Sword and, and Darksiders. They, they they just feel to me like hack and slash games, and when I call this an action game, it's because uh, there's a little bit more uh, thinking to it. Like yeah,
1: it's more considered.
2: Yeah, I wrote a combat guide already, and like just uh, the amount of attention you can put into things like the, the the perfect dodges and the fast attacks versus heavy attacks, and there are like smaller combos that you'll uh, string together within those, getting an enemy stun gauge up. Um, Trying to hit as many killer slashes as possible to get the slash reels, which give you bonuses in battle. Like there is uh, depth there that just wasn't in the other games, mm. and I feel like that is actually really engaging. And uh, some of those reviewers that may have reacted more negatively, uh, I think the 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 kind of glaring issues meant that they overlooked some of the more positive aspects. Yeah, you know? I think
1: the floor's a bit harsh. Like for Yeah,
2: kids. I I agree. Like like the if if I was just driving around the open world, I'd be like, oh my God, four out of 10's generous. <laughs> but once you've done a, a good few fights and you had a couple of intense battles, you're like, oh hold on, you know what?
1: Actually it's, like it's, it's pretty shit. good. Like there's a lot of stuff in that yeah. game. That you're like this is sick. Like Absolutely. I, I when it's the- hype, you're hype.
2: Yeah, the the, uh, the cutscenes before and after boss
0: battles, I'm like, hell yes. Every time. Mm. Every time. It's always good to see a game that's in a long series like this that is like very pleasing to the fans, but it is confusing like you're saying when you see these especially low scores um, when it seems like it's just people that aren't a fan of the series.
1: Yeah, that's the impression you get. Especially because there's such a disparity. It feels like mm-hmm. maybe someone was assigned this and wasn't familiar with No More Heroes. Like, mm. I think that's okay with with some franchises where like a keen familiarity isn't required to go yeah. into it. But this feels like something that's made for fans and it's very much been made possible by fans with the success of Travis Strikes Again. Mm-hmm. I, f- I was going to say Travis Strikes Back but that's not it. So I feel yeah, this is a game that you should go in with the expectation of needing to know the characters and the story thus far and given that as dave said earlier the first two games are on switch for about 17 quid or something so and they play they've aged rather well so it's easy to mm. go back and enjoy those yeah they're good ports but no More yeah. Heroes has had multiple ports and most of them are bad but these are good yeah <laughs> like these like those. i looked it up, these are like the only good ones and the yeah. physical the physical version of is it 1 or 2 on ps3 retail yeah, now 70 pounds yeah.
2: yeah yeah it's it's real bad
0: as well <laughs> got
1: it. Dave, what's what was your
0: absolute favorite moment in the game? Oh my god. Like
2: I don't know. Personally, I, I think I think I get really excited about the little moments for some reason. Like I already mentioned the Akira power slide and like I practically cheered when it happened. I was like, yeah, they're
1: doing it! They're doing
2: it. <laughs> so it, it's it's the, it's the little moments like that for me. And Suda has sprinkled those Throughout the game. There's just so many small things that make me go,
0: hell yes, that he did it. He did it, yo. So yeah. High praise for No More Heroes 3. Uh it sounds like all three you recommend, yeah? Yes, definitely. I yeah. Mean, for fans. For for the fans. This yeah, one for the fans. This one's for the fans. It really is. This, one, this
1: one's for the gamers. <laughs> oh my god.
0: <laughs> no spaces. <All> right. <laughs>
2: oh be sure to follow if you like gaming
0: oh Oh, great great plug (laughs) (laughs) thank you dave (laughs) uh jade we'll see you later for life is strange preview and george stick around let's talk about the gameplay reveal for marvel's midnight suns yes When you were a kid, did uh, did did people do the it thing a lot?
3: The it thing? Oh, like, from movie- it. no, I thought you meant like tag. We call it it. Over here. Wait, what? Yeah. Tag. Oh, you call tag? Yeah, we call it it. You got someone, you, you like smack oh. them you go, it. It's like I guess we play it that quite a lot.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. Like the clown. Did people do? Do the, like, hey, Georgie. Nah, nah. That was, that was beyond
3: my time. I've had it now, but not when I was a kid.
0: They do it now with the remix. Yes,
3: yes. All right. I just needed to know that. For <laughs>
0: uh, okay, so Midnight Sun's gameplay reveal was yesterday. And, you know, this is what was funny to me about it. First of all, I think it looks great. Yeah, I agree. What was funny to me about it was... Everyone when the first trailer came out at Gamescom, everyone was like, Oh, uh XCOM, Marvel XCOM, Marvel XCOM. Mm. And they were and they were like, No, that's not really what it is, right? Because it's Fire Axis, they make XCOM. But they were to like in my interview with them and all the other interviews I read, and even after that trailer premiered, they were like, It's not XCOM. But everybody was like, Marvel XCOM, because that's an easy association to make, right? right. And then, so now they show the gameplay yesterday, and now everybody's like, oh, Marvel card game, Marvel card <laughs> game. And they're like, well, no, it's not that.
3: <laughs> what <laughs> is it then, Fire is Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, every every time they
0: tell us more about this game, people get it wrong, like, what it is. So when you previewed it, did you see gameplay back then, or? No. No. Yesterday, that was the first time I oh. actually saw the gameplay. I figured you'd see it. And, I, and they, they did not tell me that it was uh, a... Card-like system, mm. but I think I think we need to be careful here. It is not a card game.
3: Is it not a card game?
0: It is not a. It's no, no, no. no. <laughs> oh, okay, it is not a. When when we say card game, we mean Hearthstone. We mean a collectible card game, mm. right? This is not. This is a tactics game where the abilities are dealt in a random deck as if they were cards. I think calling it a card game gives the wrong impression. Yeah, that's all. i No, saying. I agree. I, know. I agree. Yeah, it's splitting hairs a bit, but I see a lot of people complaining. I can't believe they made a card game. And then I saw somebody asked, oh, well, are we going to have to buy packs and stuff? No. And they had to clarify. No, it's not that kind of card game. Yeah. So I think people do, they do have the wrong idea about what it is. But let's let's talk about what we saw. Mm. Tactic style, we have these arenas, teams of three and you get to pick which Marvel heroes you want on your team. They said there's going to be 12 plus the original character, the hunter. So there's 13 characters and you get to take three out um, for the battles. And then all of your abilities are determined by these cards and you draw them from a random deck. I think it's a lot closer to something like Slay the Spire than like A card game yeah but is that kind of the impression you got too yeah
3: well i i hadn't i haven't played slay the spire so i didn't make that connection but Uh some friends of mine said it was like that um i feel i'm a bit mixed on the random nature of it i don't know whether like that will actually be really great and exciting or it'll be the sort of thing where you can get in situations where you just get moves you can't use or don't want to use. Like, I guess it'll be, in, it's interesting. It's definitely a, a unique approach, but the jury's going to be out until I play, like whether it's fun or not. I think that that's a good point, but I think that
0: is also just inherent of the tactics genre, that there there is always an element of randomness. Mm. You know, they're, they're strategy games and they're, they're puzzle games in a sense, because you're trying to make the right moves with the least amount of turns to take, you know, less damage and but you don't know what the enemy is going to do. And in a lot of tactic games I've played, even if you reset the same encounter over and over, the enemies are going to respond differently. Not necessarily randomly, but it's not as a, it's not a fixed game of chess where you know all the moves that the opponent's going to make and you just have to play around.
3: That's true. Yeah. They put a lot of um focus on this original character as well like what do you what do you think about that yeah uh i think it's cool
0: i mean i don't think it's essential in terms of like what the game is trying to do i think it's got enough interesting things going for it already Mm. but if it if it works for the story i think that's that's fine i I don't i don't have any problem with it what do you think it's
3: it's an interesting setup Uh, i hadn't really considered that that would be the person inside the coffin. I guess I wasn't paying too much attention in the reveal trailer, but I, I like the idea of it. I just wonder if you have to have your original characters, one of the three you take out onto the field. Like, did they confirm oh, that? Oh, yeah. Like Mario
0: Rabbids, yeah. you always had to have Mario on the team. Uh, in the trailer, I saw there. there's a moment where they're like, and and pick your team. And it was three heroes
3: okay. without the hunter. Then I, I'm down for that. Yeah. Like, as
0: long as it's not. So I don't think you have to have the hunter.
3: Yeah. I think the yeah, idea Yeah, you're right be because then you're you just picking two. <laughs> yeah. But I I would like the option not to in case I'm suddenly like right Captain America, Ghost Rider, Blade, let's do this. Like I don't I don't want to have to choose that. Yeah. And if that were the case it should be four th- characters in my opinion. Right. Yeah.
0: No, I to- I totally agree. I think you will want to have the Hunter though because the way they described it to me was that the the Hunter has uh like 50 different types of powers. Mm. Whereas like the heroes have the powers that you would expect, and you can upgrade those powers and get new cards or upgrade the cards or whatever. But with the hunter, you get to choose what kind of superhero they are. Yeah. Um. So I th- I think that's cool to have like a really fully customizable, not just like the way they look and like uh you know the uh the cosmetic side of it, but to actually choose what kind of hero they are and what kind of powers they have. Yeah. I think that's pretty compelling.
3: I didn't think it was a great show of the social stuff really like i towards the end they kind of delve into it but i kept going like just show us like 30 seconds of how this is gonna be like let me see some of that rather than telling me um but i have faith like i'm sure it will be great and just a few hints like uh i i think it was with magic maybe the sound of the stars just watching the stars that looked really cool uh but i just i just would have liked to have seen uninterrupted gameplay for a bit rather than over describing it
0: I totally agree. I don't think I think that is a really hard feature to sell. Yeah. Uh because when they first explained it, it sounded lame, <laughs> and when they showed it, it looked lame, and I fully believe that it's going to be fun and interesting. Um but when when I see like Oh and you can go on a walk with Iron Man. <laughs> and then I see like some dialogue boxes, I'm like please show me people punching you please. <laughs> anything anything but this.
3: And that I'm, I'm um, fully in it for the social stuff. Like the the card stuff is interesting and I I'm intrigued by. It. I think it will end up being a lot of fun, but like I I love the characters. and I, I'm really interested mm-hmm. to see how what Axe's take on them is. Uh like which way they'll take yeah. Iron Man. Is he going to be cocky? Is he going to be deeper than that? Is he gonna have any elements of alcoholism like is that are they gonna go deep into him or is he just the tech guy like i i'm i'm truly intrigued by it uh it's a shame you can't yeah. romance as as has been kind of said for a while now but you know deep deep friends i guess will be okay yes yeah, so, somebody will mod it don't worry. <laughs> we will mod it <laughs> um yeah i'm
0: i totally agree i i uh, can't wait to hear all their voices mm. that's always a big thing for me with marvel games we got to hear blade's voice in the trailer which sounded great but yeah i want to know who the actors are and who's playing them um and it's also really cool that we're we've got like robbie ray's ghost yes. who's, you know never been in a movie or a game or anything so this is this is like literally our first introduction of this character outside of the comics yeah at least i don't think robbie rays has ever been transmediaized before i don't think so i think you're right about that yeah so yeah the that stuff is going to be really cool and they kind of showed a little bit of the way that that relationship building leads to um new abilities to use in the battlefield Mm. which i thought was really inspired because um i you know going back to like ultimate alliance ultimate alliance has the hero combos mm. but they those are not nearly as cool as they should be
3: no they never have been they had like a few standout examples like iron man and captain america doing the uh the repulsive blast off the shield and then it goes everywhere that's awesome but there's like that, that's like one of a few good examples
0: yeah, I mean the older games did it better than the new one. Yeah, the new totally. one is just like two heroes use their power at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but what what I want in uh, in an Avengers game is to be able to do you know those cool like Colossus throws Wolverine hmm. right the the fastball special or uh, Hawkeye shooting the arrow with Ant Man riding on it like you want those iconic you do yeah combos and i think this game is going to be able to do that and i think it's driven a lot by this relationship system because it seemed like from the trailer that as you build up your rapport with different characters you unlock these combos with them on the battlefield and it sort of narratively justifies these team-up moves because you have this like strong bond with them and i just think that is so cool like as a comics fan that is a really cool way to um gamify yeah i agree you Know an important part of superheroes.
3: Did they say how many characters have been revealed now? Like, of the Marvel heroes, six Re- only six have been revealed. So, we've I feel like I've seen like eight. Uh,
0: maybe it's more actually. I'm gonna count them. There's Blade, Captain America, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, Magic, Captain Marvel, Miko, Ghost Rider, Wolverine. That's it. Oh, Wolverine. Yeah, so that's okay. ten. So, it? nine. Uh, and then the hunter and then the hunter,
3: okay yeah. okay so who, who if you had to so, say if you had to have one one character in it who would you pick
0: yeah Ooh, i mean easy, <sighs> one of the spider-mans i think i think you mean we need a spider-man we need miles
3: Morales. That, that would be cool
0: yeah my i don't i don't know if miles would fit with the theme that they're going for in the game but yeah miles would be great or any of the, any of them any of the spider-mans uh other than that I guess a Venom would make more sense. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, like Agent Venom, maybe. I'd
3: love a Fantastic Four character in there. Like that would be. I know there's there's like weird right stuff with that, which is why Fantastic Four is always kind of left out. But yeah, maybe that's over now.
0: I think. I I guess if I had to pick one character out of anyone, it would be Doctor Doom, just because oh. that's my favorite character ever. That would fit, and I, and he and he's mystical, yeah. Mm. So that would totally fit, but it would make. A lot of sense to include morbius because morbius is a big part of that story that that the the comic that this game's based on yeah so i don't know yeah there's only a few more right if we've seen nine or ten then there's only like three more they haven't
3: shown i mean i'm i'm very interested because it seems like from the the gameplay it seems like they each not only are they all individual but they all seem to have like a element of the hub world tied to them like dr strange seems to like enchant items or, like, uncover them or whatever. And then, like I said before, yeah. Tony Stark is the, like, tech guy, uh, Captain Marvel. Right,
0: and Blade's, like, the training Yeah, man. yeah,
3: exactly. So I'm wondering if maybe, if you were really clever about it, you went through the trailer, you're like, oh, there's, like, a... There's, like, a, a climbing frame. Maybe it is Spider-Man. I don't know, that's, like, the worst example in the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know... Oh, I mean. there's a
0: coffin there. I wonder if there's a vampire <laughs> sleeping in there. Yeah. See, that's better. Uh, yeah, I, I mean... This is so my jam. Mm. The card stuff kind of caught me by surprise, but I don't essentially have a problem with it as long as the combat is deep. Yeah. You know, as long as the strategy is still, like, complex. That's kind of all I'm hoping for. I know some on our team who will remain unnamed <laughs> uh, have a problem with the, the gameplay, and I've seen a lot of complaining that it's not just ma- superhero make punch. <laughs>
3: I I I, but, I get um, that though in a way like after talking to you I'm mm. a bit more like okay yeah like give it a chance but in, initially seeing the card stuff was like oh uh, you know the social stuff is obviously what I'm here for more so that's remained yeah. untarnished but the card stuff does it can it doesn't concern me because I'm I'm sure Thyr-Axis knows what they're doing better than I do just because they're choosing cards over I don't know like commands but you know, mm-hmm. we have to see more we have to see more gameplay and. To be honest, I don't think this was the best gameplay showcase. I feel like there was too much, there was too many cinematic shots, too many like explaining. Just give give people like fifteen minutes of gameplay, like maybe five battle gameplay, yeah. ten social. Like people love that. That will give you a clear idea.
0: Totally, yeah. The thing that has me uh, a little bit hesitant about it, and this is just like super high level tactics fanboy shit mm. um the fact that all the arenas that they showed were small flat squares yeah um with ice there are obstacles and they talked about push pushes and you know interactions with the environment which is good that's like that that adds so much to a tactics game but not having elevations mm. or even structures. I mean, all of the obstacles were just like rubble or exploding barrels or um, like one of my favorite tactics games of all time is mutineer zero. Right. Uh, I don't know if you ever played. No,
3: that I, games, I'm i I'm, Mario rabbits is probably one of the more tactical games I've yeah played, so. well yeah mario
0: rabbits too mario rabbits does great with um different kinds of cover you know you've got your full cover half cover and then i think maybe you get elevation advantage in that but you do in yeah, Mutant yeah, year you zero do. you definitely do yeah yeah you get like um you know better line of sight or uh some kind of advantage for being above the opponent mm. and um I'm glad that this game has, like, pushes so you can push people into traps and stuff, but if it is, in fact, all just, like, flat Fire Emblem-style arenas, uh, that's not going to be nearly as compelling for me.
3: I can't imagine with characters like Iron Man who one of their main things is that they can fly and reach, like, heights like that. I can't imagine they'd leave it out. It, I now, now I think about it, I don't remember seeing anything like that in the gameplay, and, and I'm sure you've, like, looked over just to check, but that has to be, like, a just a miss of the trailer. You know, like I said, it was an I amazing so. gameplay showcase. Like, I, I'm just yeah. thinking it's been left out.
0: I, I hope so. Everything looked real squished. Mm. Everything that they showed was just, like, all of the heroes and enemies standing within 10 squares of each other. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. So, well, yeah, I mean. I reckon that comes with the,
3: the territory of trying to, trying to, advertise this kind of game to marvel fans you're gonna have to kind of you know make it do simpler. the hero shots yeah exactly yeah yeah you yeah so anyway. I think so it's
0: i i admire it because it's such a huge swing mm. and because it seems like like the the story they're telling us is that this was an incredibly organic game like marvel was like we really like what you do do you want to make a game and Axis was like, sure, we really like this story. Can we make a game about this story? And it all came together, you know, really organic. It wasn't like, it sounds like it wasn't guys, business guys looking at numbers and being like, this is the category we need to <laughs> fill for this audience. You know so what I Marvel mean? Avengers it specific. sounds like it's just a, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. This sounds like it's just people that love this stuff and wanted to make a game that they're good at making yeah so no
3: i agree you just have to take one look at the character roster and see like that it's not all of the stupidly obvious characters that shows that there's passion behind this uh maybe correct me when they add spider-man and you know whoever else is like top of the list but i don't think they will like i would love a spider-man to be in it but i i would not hedge my bets
0: yeah, and if you, like, I we're circling back to Spider-Man. I can't help but talk about Spider-Man all the time. <laughs> if you, the mystical side of Spider-Man exists, but it, it would be so obscure. More obscure than even, like, Magic and, and Nico. Like, it would be, like, Madam Web and shit. Yeah, like, well, that there's Shattered no Dimensions. no way they're going to put those kids. Shattered
3: Dimensions means some people know. I know Madam Web from that, so.
0: Okay, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, a lot of people did play Shattered
3: Dimensions. Maybe. Yeah. Could be cool. I'm into it doom though yeah doom would fit but i feel like doom would fit as an antagonist or maybe as like a part of the story i don't think he'd fit as playable just because you know they're they're making it pretty clear it's marvel heroes this isn't like a right like a team-up sort of thing
0: that is the other the other kind of weird thing about it is like i mean we don't know the story but it seems like uh lilith and all of her children her Lilin, i believe they're called they're all like freaking demons right they're all like fire dogs and like ghouls yeah i i don't know how many encounters we're gonna have with classic marvel villains in this one
3: uh, i hadn't really thought of that i i hope for the sake of people like me who i i'm bordering on i am i am a fanboy but like even i would be a bit like come on give me some give me some recognizable stuff to punch like i'd be I'd, it'd be a shame if they didn't try and include a few like characters in there, like like Doom, for instance. Like that'd be really cool.
0: Yeah, well, I just started thinking about the Marvel Knights since we have Blade and Ghost Rider, like Daredevil and Moon Knight would oh, also be good choice.
3: That would be cool. They would fit perfectly. Yeah. Like it's like we, both of them. Yeah,
0: if we could get all the Marvel Knights,
3: I that would be. Yeah. that would be my choice. You know, I, I would actually, I would rather that over a Spider Man because as much like Spider Man's my favorite, but he's he's got his he's got his own spotlight like plenty of times now put it on put it on daredevil go on do it
0: yeah for sure cool definitely looking forward to seeing more that comes out uh next march yes so hopefully i thought it was really cool that they did a reveal and then a gameplay reveal just a week later
3: and a date as well i'm a i'm a big fan of here's this thing yeah here's when you can play it not here's his thing maybe next year, maybe the year after like that, right. that doesn't do anything for me anymore. It used to, but now it's like, now that we talk about games every single day, it, you know, I, I like to know that something's coming.
0: Yeah, totally. I, yeah, I, I don't really want to know about a game unless I know when it's coming out anymore. <laughs> yeah. agreed. So ho- hopefully we get frequent updates on this one. Cause I'm, I'm really, I'm really interested in it. It's probably the, one of the things I'm looking forward to most next year.
3: Yeah, I agree. I, I, i'm really keen to see i'm excited to talk to you about it to be honest like i'm excited after talking about it now i'm like yeah. i can't wait for them to reveal more characters and more to do with it so we can react like that that's exciting to me
0: yeah definitely want to keep an eye on uh cool thanks george i'm gonna meet back up now with jade and stacy to talk about life is strange Let's talk about Life is Strange True Colors. Uh, Jade, you played a preview, yeah?
1: Yeah, so I have the full game, uh, but okay. we can currently only talk about, we can talk about wow. uh, the embargo is essentially saying we can talk about the first chapter, but we can also talk about the wider reaching parts of the game, if that makes sense from okay, a mechanical cool. perspective. Tell us about what, what happens at the start of the game a lot of the stuff in the first chapter is very much that's been shown heavily in the trailers thus far, like you play Mm -hmm. as Alex Chen, who's like a young woman who for eight years of her life she has been thrown around the foster care system, like torn away from abusive parents and constantly finding herself in broken families or care facilities and not really having a place to belong, but then her brother Gabe gets in contact with her and goes, come move to Haven Springs, which the game pitches as like an idyllic town in I suppose you call it rural America. I think it's in the Colorado like mm. ish. I don't, I don't know America, but that's where they go. And when you get to the town, the first chapter is kind of showing her familiarizing herself with this town, meeting people and reuniting with her brother for the first time in eight years. And it spends a lot of time building that relationship and building those bonds very much. And in Life is Strange fashion, as soon as the first chapter is over, they pull all that from under you and it very much takes on a more tragic turn.
0: And what's the like supernatural angle of this one? Because I think don't all the Life is Strange games have a some sort of oh, power yes. or
1: twist? So Life is Strange one, Max could turn back time into the little brother could use telekinesis and stuff, I think. Maybe a little more and and in before the storm, it was just a prequel, so I don't think it had any powers. In before the storm, I think it was more just Chloe's game. superpower
4: was like sarcasm. And before the storm, she could like interrupt conversations and turn them her way, so she didn't oh, really okay. have a power. But they like pretended that being a snarky like the... teenager was the same as being able to rewind time.
1: <laughs> Fair enough, but oh, yeah, interesting. Uh, Alex, she a lot of the trailers have said like, oh, she can feel empathy, but she's right. a, she's an empath. I think that's how they define it and she very much has a strong relationship with emotions like she can she can feel what people are feeling and this is represented in the game by like a spider sense coming off people like red represents anger or a dark purple represents fear or sadness and she she can't just read the minds of people she literally feels what they're feeling and if an intense like there's one scene in the preview which I can't talk about but it relates to anger and If she feels the anger of someone intensely she can go into fits of rage or express that anger in a physical way or if she's feeling the fear of someone she could be petrified and won't know what to do or will overreact in ways that negatively impact those around her and her superpower is very much one of the reasons why she's never been able to connect with people like there are you can go through her mobile phone and see messages where she's had past relationships or she's relied on people to be there for her while she's going through a tough time and a lot of these people have clearly tried to help Alex but one way or another things have gone wrong and you see conversations are ghosted or she's lost touch with people so she hmm. sees returning to Haven Springs as an opportunity to not tell people about these powers and just be a normal person but this very quickly goes wrong and i suppose it's not really a spoiler because it's in all the trailers and the press materials but at the end of the first chapter, her brother dies, and that's very much the catalyst for the wider mystery of the game, which I'm not really sure that what that entails yet, because, or if it's going to get supernatural, more supernatural, or this idyllic town is hiding more secrets. But she's forced to tell her brother about these powers, or she can, can she can choose to confide in him or hide them away. And the way in which he reacts is really sweet and honest, and you see that. Sibling dynamic build between them but yeah like it has a supernatural edge like a lot of the past life is strange games do and it seems to be implemented at least in my mind as well as life is strange one and a little better than two which i wasn't hugely taken with mm. can she see and interpret the emotions or she just sort of absorbs
0: them and copies them
1: so it's quite it's quite unclear like you can't the game is still very scripted and linear in a narrative sense, so uh-huh. you can't freely read people's minds and suddenly have a breakdown. Like a lot of these moments are a part of the story. Like how do I describe it? Like there are there are some moments where you can press down the shoulder button and you can see who is feeling emotions in the in the mm. environment essentially. You can go up to them and see what they're feeling and you're given a vague voice line hinting towards what they're feeling essentially and then you can you can choose to prod them further and help them or unlock collectibles but in the main story the her powers very much come through in puzzle sequences or dramatic moments where you'll need to make one of those this will have consequences decisions which right will bleed into the wider narrative but as far as i'm concerned her powers feel like something she's ashamed of and the game is going to teach her to accept and learn to control those powers with the people around her like whether she's finding love coming to terms with her brother's death or maybe finding out what happened to them because it's all very up in the air at the moment but Hmm. to me it doesn't feel like a superpower it more feels like she's trying to come to terms with like a really bad like supernatural mental illness like where power implies it is something that makes you better but this she very much thinks it's a burden and think it makes her a weird makes her strange if anything
0: I haven't spent a ton of time with the series. I played through most of the first one, and it seemed to me like the the supernatural stuff is kind of a hook, yeah, for for the series. But it's not it the the themes in the story aren't like wrapped around the powers. Like it seems like there's a, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's like a f- really fleshed out story that's not just what are these powers and how do they work and what do they do
1: yeah because it very much feels not set dressing but i suppose it feels like like a contextual foundation for alex as as a protagonist like it gives mm-hmm. her more it gives her more layers and gives her like a mechanic that players can play with but i feel like even if you took that away and explored the story of her and her brother in this town and her discovering what happened to him that would still be super compelling because as he said like i don't I don't come to life is strange for the supernatural elements those are very much just a part of the package like before the storm the first game and the second game have always been super compelling to me and so many others because they're very relatable especially to people of our generation like they they aren't afraid to analyze like youth culture or socio-political stuff that is affecting our generation and they're also quite Unashamably queer, like even if they don't go to the extent that you want them to, and it seems like this true colors might. Because to me, Life is Strange, one, two, and before the storm, and the stuff Don't Not, no, one and two, which Don't Not did, and before the storm to an extent, they sort of felt like how do you do, fellow kids, in a lot of way, with yeah. their like dialogue and storytelling, but this one feels somewhat more refined i suppose or they have looked at those criticisms and tried to make it feel more natural as a story since you mentioned a few
0: episodes back that this is a series you've grown fond of um it does uh does true colors uh intrigue you more than the past games in the series
4: um i think that's an interesting question because jade is is right that the the two life is strange games and the two kind of games within that family twin mirror and tell me why oh, yeah, all of those stories would exist fine without the powers like possibly life is strange two, you know daniel using his powers to throw things with his mind that actively affects the story he's only a kid um yeah so that gets him into trouble quite a bit but like in if max doesn't rewind time in life is strange one the story still happens. it's just the events are different because we don't rewind time you know so the, it's always been the story more than the the supernatural element so mm. the fact that um life is strange true colors is taking it in a direction where it's not necessarily a power it's just a, a an extra way of exploring the narrative you know because alex can't read minds i think that makes it really intriguing if she could read minds i'd still be into it because you know, like I said, like the first Life of Strange is one of my all-time favourite games. I really love the second one. Tell me why yeah. it was one of my favourite games from last year. Mm-hmm. You know, Even Twin Mirror, which everyone seemed to hate, I thought was okay. I enjoyed my time with it. So I would have liked it, even if it was. Oh, she can read minds and that's how you win this game. You read the right minds and then select the right options. But I think the fact that she can feel emotions is just its a little bit more mature a little yeah. more mature way of doing this like supernatural narrative based thing of being aware for what other people are feeling and having a heightened sense of awareness and you know we all if, if you talk to someone that you think is angry you change how you behave and then if you talk to somebody who is more volatile who's more understanding who is um you know depressed or, or down then we all change how we react as humans when we talk to other human beings so mm-hmm. to have a character who's only power is that times a million is a lot more intriguing for a game that is based on storytelling and narrative than the girl who can rewind time. As much as I loved Max and Chloe and the whole thing, I can rewind time is not that interesting. A narrative event in right. a choice based game. When I, I made my choice the first time I chose. Yeah. That's the point of the
1: game. In, in True Colors, especially she, it's not that she can read minds or relate to these emotions. She has to like, it's something that she can't escape from and Mm -hmm. I think being forced to confront that supernatural side of herself leads to more like heart in your throat narrative decisions that you have to make like knowing you're going to have to deal with someone who's angry or sad or or grieving or at some cases might be trying to attack you and you have to understand that their emotions are coming towards you and they're going to make her act in a different way that she wouldn't have otherwise there's been a few moments in the first chapter where that's explored in some interesting ways and i'm and i'm quite interested to see where that goes because as far as i know the trailers don't seem to give much away beyond the first chapter
0: Mm. i i i find it i find the concept compelling that her powers if we want to even call them that Mm. are um inform her character and the choices she makes rather than it just being some sort of gamey mechanic
1: yeah because they've defined her life like that's one of the reasons she's so she's like spent so much of her life in solitude or being unable to form these relationships with people is we we don't know the backstory of her parents yet i think it's just assumed it was an abusive broken family and her and her brother were separated due to the care system but maybe her powers formed as a result of trauma with her parents and that's something we'll explore later down the line. but that's always a possibility. Like, I think there's a reason why she's let these powers define her as something to be ashamed of. And it would be interesting if the narrative explored how that came to be. And almost like you as the player have to help her come to terms with that.
0: Yeah. That sounds like a really cool blend of story mechanics. Um, and like as Stacy was saying, like a more mature way to approach um, that gameplay blend and Mm. it's it's also cool to see this series sort of grow up in that way because i think obviously there's not a lot of of narrative driven games like this and it feels like to me a sort of evolution on what telltale was doing yeah um but it's already like the more mature version of that and so it's pretty cool to see how the series continues to you know sort of grow up from game to game
1: yeah because it it still has a lot of the hallmarks of life is strange like it's very I don't want to say like wanky but it's it it knows it it knows that fans love to take their time there's I was speaking to the one of the artists who did the soundtrack Julia stone and she said when they were making the game there are there are these Zen moments where you can when you're walking around the world you can just stop at a certain place in time like you could you could in the first game and Alex will just sit there with some dialogue while a song flows in and it will alternate between different pieces of scenery like in terms of it, it carries a life is strange dna through in that sense so much like the soundtrack's fantastic the visuals are wonderful like this game looks gorgeous like they've, they've ray traced the whole thing up as well which i wasn't expecting so yeah like as he said it it feels like a more a more mature take on life is strange which was already usurping telltale is like mm. something and exploring things that this genre hadn't before.
4: Yeah, I think whenever like we speak to people who make these types of games a lot, not necessarily Life is Strange, but there are quite a few games on the indie scene that are narrative story-driven games. You know, it's, mm. Indie games tend to be that more than a big blockbuster um, online shooter. They tend to do these story things a lot more. And pretty much everyone will say that they're inspired by either Life is Strange or Telltale. They are just yeah. the two games in this in this genre that are held up as this is what we want it to be like, yeah. and unfortunately, Telltale is not going to make any more games. They've they've gone. So if we want to see this genre really grow on on a big stage, it probably has to come from Life is Strange because as wonderful as some of these little indies are, they aren't going to get very much attention. Whereas mm-hmm. because Life is Strange has had that breakout with the first game, solidified that with Life is Strange two had kind of other things from Don't Nod around it, like, tell me why. This is the game that people are looking towards for how real narrative adventure games, not just games with stories, but games built around telling a story, Mm -hmm. are going to be made these days. So because Telltale can't do any more because it doesn't exist, it is up to Life is Strange alone until a new thing emerges to carry it on. So it's great to see them evolving rather than, just making Life a Strange 1 again. Yeah. I mean, I know they literally are, because they're remastering that, but, like, rather than just making... <laughs> yeah, just, the same just game using
0: mechanics. the same mechanics or just sort of telling the same kind of story over and over. Yeah.
4: yeah. You could tell a million stories with I Can Rewind Time. They could have stuck with that forever. Sure. Just have different yeah. people who can rewind time. Um, so it's great that they're doing different things with the idea of powers as opposed to the time travel
1: gang. I'm very curious where... Obviously, I can't... I've only played past the first chapter so I can't really spoil anything but I've given that all of these games have previously been in been in an episodic format with the exception of Tell Me Why but even that was released in an episodic way over a number of weeks which also Telltale did yeah like there's I think with True Colors like the mm. story feels more unpredictable or it's not as in flux but in a good way like i don't know where this story is going or how long the game is going to be or anything like that Mm. and i think that's also like an unconventional thing for this genre of game because they're so used to being episodic so perhaps this is also a good thing like life is strange could define a narrative adventure games like this as something that don't need to be episodic or away from the norm they can just be one full cohesive story
0: yeah, I, I personally I'm glad that they're getting away from that. The episodic thing never appealed to me. I I don't I just don't like looking at a Steam page and seeing all the chapters with their prices mm. lined up like that,
1: you know. Maybe I it's think like, Life is strange too was hurt for it cuz that released so inconsistently.
0: Yeah. And then it gets confusing when it's like the first chapter's free so you can download mm. the client but you don't have the full game. I think all that stuff yeah was kind of kind of confusing and weird. It's better to just buy a game and have it. Um, But this isn't, is this a Game
1: Pass one or no? No, I don't think so. Okay. I think it's a full price. It's a full price, 50 pound game. Like it's, they're they're marketing it as such.
0: Um, And are there narrative connections? Are you aware of any narrative connections to the rest of the series at all? Or is it completely standalone? That's a good question.
1: I would not be surprised if there's some wayward references to arcadia bay or something like that like Steph's there yeah steph your the female love interest is from before the storm like she's a main character in this so there's that oh, okay. connection so there's a possibility you when you bond with her and build a relationship she might bring up some stuff from her past
0: gotcha uh, but it sounds like it's more just fan service and
1: less serialized storytelling yeah there's like, no, like, did you destroy Arcadia Bay or whatever options at the beginning. It just throws <laughs> you straight into the story. Right.
0: Cool. So, yeah, this is not an easy one to jump into, even if you don't know the series. Yeah. Uh, do you know when it comes out? Oh, September the 10th. Oh, perfect. Just one more week. Um, cool. Then we will catch up when... I-, I assume you're doing the review, too, right?
1: Yes. That will be coming soon. Yeah, <laughs> can't say okay. when, soon I was going to say then, I was going get myself in trouble but yeah, keep an eye out for that and the preview will be on site today
0: Perfect, we'll have the preview in the description and we'll catch back up with you next week uh, for the full review Oh yeah, yes, that sounds good Alright, uh, thank you both I'm going to go meet up with Kian to talk about what else, Pokemon
1: Blastoise
0: back again with another pokemon segment keen how you doing i'm not too bad how are you good man we're gonna have to change the name of the show if we talk about pokemon every single week i agree we should just continue to talk about pokemon forever and nothing else (laughs) this week we're talking about uh the most recent updates for pokemon unite the last time we talked about the game was i think it was the day blissey came out so we didn't have much to say But now we have Blissey and your sweet baby boy, Blastoise. New Blastoise main. Keen talks about Blastoise, like, unrelated to Pokemon Unite, Keen talks about Blastoise every single day.
5: I mean, obviously, it is literally the best Pokemon ever designed by such a margin. Like... (laughs) uh, like Realistically, I I tend to like, you know, prefer water types in general, but yeah, you know, Blastoise is the actual original Gen One water starter fully evolved, and also has one of the better designs.
0: Like Yeah. And now we have all three original starters. And I actually played a quick match with Venusaur, Blastoise, and Charizard, which was pretty fun. Um but this is like the only character you're ever gonna play again, isn't it? Pretty much,
5: I mean, uh, today was the first time I ever spent real money on the game because yeah. I basically have been using like the in-game currency I've earned from like completing challenges and stuff to level up items for Absol and Lucario, which are similar enough, like you know, I use a scope lens on both of them. Um well actually I stopped using scope lens and Lucario because I think surprisingly enough most of its moves doesn't ac- don't actually crit. Whereas mm. Absol every single attack has a crit chance, so scope lens right. is like a must. But i leveled up muscle band and scope lens to almost full using in-game currency and i've got a few more around like 12 or 13. but blastoise like you kind of want a focus band which i'd never use because i don't play a whole lot of bulkier characters and a buddy barrier is pretty good as well because of the anoite move so i literally i was like i had both of those but they were level one and i had already spent all my item enhancers so i was like you know what i'm gonna put 10 euro into the game for the first time ever because I am never going to play another Pokemon again. So, well, actually, that's a lie, because uh, sometimes someone else takes Blastoise.
0: Yeah, I had that this morning, and that's always going to happen with new characters, I guess. But, um, yeah, I, I was having trouble. Everybody else was scooping up Blastoise. Um, yeah, I put Bud, Buddy Barrier on right away, also using Score Shield because I think Score Shield is just really good on almost everyone.
5: Yeah, I use it a lot. Um I I use it on my Lucario build. Even though I, I've seen a lot of other people run Lucario, they usually go like Muscle ban, Float Stone, and maybe Shell Bell. Uh, mm. but you know, I I don't think the Float Stone is that beneficial to someone like Lucario. I haven't really noticed anything from it. I leveled it to like level ten or something, and I stopped using it. It's okay on like even on someone like Zorora. I I really think that Score Shield is like a must. If you're a character who should be scoring a hundred plus a game, you need Score Shield.
0: Right, yeah, and pretty much anyone can get use out of it. Although oh. maybe like Venusaur doesn't get to score as much as some of the other characters. Yeah,
5: but even like you know, that that brings me to something else because I I, I was playing with Blastoise earlier on a defender. Right, I know he's yeah. pretty aggressive, um, significantly more so than all of the other defenders. I think maybe Crustle's sure. pretty aggressive. Crustle's pretty aggressive if you play Shell Smash. But the. I was playing Blastoise earlier on, and I think I scored like 163 points, and the Cinderace and Absol on my team both
1: scored zero. Blastoise feels like a hybrid
0: attacker, like a defender attacker, way more than the other defenders do. I completely agree. I, I actually I wrote a piece in that
5: earlier on before the podcast. It's going up in like two hours. It's scheduled oh, okay. already, and it's basically like bringing out a defender like that who is capable of like you know performing the defender's role, but yeah. also has that sort of like you know, um, like you can you can design a build that is quite aggressive. I think that that is the key to, sort of, you know, establishing longevity for Pokemon Unite because, you know, you you can't have a game where every single person wants to play attacker and speedster and nothing else. Yeah. Whereas if you introduce like you know reasons to want to play defender or support or all rounder, it's going to be a lot more fun and synergy is going to be a lot more interesting like in the long run. So I think right. Blastoise, Blissey was pretty good as well. I don't play a whole lot of Blissey, but you know. I think you wrote about that. You wrote about how Blissey could be the healer that Pokemon Unite needs.
0: Yeah, and we we can get into Blissey too. I think, I think Bliss I think we should be playing with two supports. I think Blissey is more is like an off support, uh, maybe like a support defender. Um, but it's interesting. I I really like to see non non strict roles in the game, where you can kind of fill. I mean, we already have like some attackers that can also jungle you know kind of take the speedster role um, and then like Slowbro is very much kind of in the middle of support and defender I think um, so I, th- yeah I totally agree I think it's really healthy for the game to have these characters that are like in between roles and can kind of um, flex depending on what the team needs and Blastoise is definitely one of those what do you think about the fact that um, like now three characters have surf three or four they're Everybody di- has surf. <laughs> they're all different
5: versions of surf though. Yeah. It's true. which I, which I think is also really strange because there are different versions of slash as well as far as I know. Absol has it and one of the other pokemon has slash. I think it might be Charmander before Does Charizard? No, it starts with it starts with Ember and slash I think, yeah. And um, mm. it's different to Absol's version. So like they they have doubled up or tripled up on some moves, but they're different depending on the pokemon that use them like Slow Bros is just the one that's in a straight line, but Blastoise is like goes and then turns. It pivots like halfway through. But also, that was something I wanted to bring up. Um, When you talked about how Blastoise is sort of like, you know, as well as being a defender, it does have that kind of like pseudo support capability. And I think earlier on, I was playing and the other team got Zapdos and they were closing. I waited at spawn so I could use the springboard. And I looked at what one they were going to. I landed there, and because the surf is so far on Blastoise, it actually knocked them off, and they didn't make it for the
0: timer for the Insta score. Yeah, which is like exactly what you want your defender to be doing, right?
5: But it, it, I know, but it, it, it's just a really, really cool thing to like. You know, Slowbro can do it as well, obviously, but it feels good to be playing a character that has the defensive capabilities, can prop up support, and is also yeah. pretty aggressive.
0: And I think with support, you can even jump away afterwards, which none of the other surf characters can do. He has, like, an escape at the end of a surf.
5: Yeah, maybe that's what I'm talking about. The the pivot thing is is what I mean. Yeah, you can kind of, like, surf and then come back. Yeah. um, Which is completely different. Like, you know, Slow Bros is pretty slow. Greninja's is much more aggressive, which, you know, fair enough. It's an attacker. Right.
0: Um, Wait, does Kramer have a surf, too? Cramorant has Whirlpool. Um I don't know.
5: I don't I don't really yeah. use Cramorant.
0: Um Blastoise has the best surf, but I actually think Rapid Spin's a more interesting move. Uh because of the way that it modifies all of his other attacks, I don't think that there's any abilities in the game like that. When you I haven't use... used rapid spin yet. What does it actually do? Yeah, so when you use rapid spin, he goes down and spins in the shell for I don't know, seven seconds. But while you're spinning, all your basic attacks become AoEs. So he shoots water out in a circle around him. And then if you use Hydro Pump or Water Spout, they also change into AoEs. So it's like a it's a form switch. So when you're in like a team battle, you can go into the shell state. And switch all your attacks to Aoes. It's really interesting. I, th- I don't think there's any other character that has like two different forms like that. When
5: you're in the shell state, do you have increased damage resistance? Uh,
0: it says spin rapidly, changing the mechanic of its basic attack as well as its hydro pump and water spout. Also reduces the damage the user receives. Yeah, so you have higher defense when you're in the shell. So yeah, that's pretty. Part- especially combined with the Unite move, like if you
5: pop the Unite move or like, no, if you pop Rapid Spin and do that and then pop Unite, like you're pretty much unkillable if you chain them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, the The added defense lets you be more aggressive and then all your abilities turning into AOEs lets you like get in deep with the team fight. So like while Hydro Pump is, is better if you're dealing with like aggressive attackers and speedsters to keep them off the point, like it, maybe your team's already at a disadvantage you want to go with surf. But if you're if you know that your team's gonna be good grouping up and getting into team fights, then it seems like rapid spin's probably the better move. Um but yeah, really interesting. No I don't think anyone else has something like that where you like change what all your other moves do when you use it.
5: I know there are some some of them have like I think it's Lucario's Bone Rush. I think if you get a KO with Bone Rush, your extreme speed resets.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
5: Like the, but that's that's not as drastic as a form change. Yeah. And also, like speaking like what you said there was really interesting because if you said, like, oh, if, you, if you've got a team that can actually, if they're competent at playing as an actual team, yeah, then you can go with Rapid Spin because you know you'll get utility out of it. I don't think there is any other Pokemon in the game that I play that I
0: ever change build with. Right. It should be like that, but it never really is. There's always one move that's, like, the better move or the correct one to choose. But I think that the the game will be at its best when it's, I need to pick this one because of this situation. And I think yeah. Blissey has that, too, to an extent. And I hope that, like, moving forward, you know, like, Sylveon and uh whatever comes after, I forgot what comes after Sylveon, but, yeah. Um, Mamaswine, I think. Right. Yeah, I hope you have situational choices like that. Because um, I think, you know, the obviously the builds are really simple. You're, you're only choosing between two attacks twice compared to other uh, MOBAs. That's like a really simple build situation. Um, but hopefully if, if it's like there's a reason to pick one over the other and you're not just auto setting and picking the same one every time, I think that's going to be like healthier for the game. 100% and even you know when
5: I saw Sylveon and Mamoswine I was like they, these are pretty weird picks um, yeah like we have Blissey now so we have a Gen 2 Pokemon but still only one Gen 2 like Gen 2 is arguably the most beloved generation in Pokemon
1: mm-hmm.
5: um, you know you're missing the likes of Heracross and Tyranitar and Scizor and Steelix and you're like wow but I think I'm actually really glad to see Sylveon and Mamswine as as strange as they might seem because mm. I think Sylveon would make for a great support that people will actually play. I like I heard Mr. Mime is really good when you actually use it properly, but also how many people like
0: Mr. Mime? I don't think that many. Like Plus like I don't even think Mr. Mime should be considered a support cuz he like he has a tricky technique, but he's all about burst damage you yeah. want to put up the wall and push people into it and get the and get those big chunks of damage. It doesn't he's not very supportive. Like the walls aren't meant to wall people off. They're meant to set up and then knock people into them for those big damage. 100% at,
5: at the moment like Wigglytuff is like one of the only genuinely like sort of S tier Pokemon in the game, but nobody plays it because mm. people don't but, that's what I think Sylveon will change because Sylveon is like a genuinely beloved Pokemon. It's an evolution. I think people will actually. And Sylveon, I know, I know like, you know, actual real builds from the games aren't, aren't necessarily anything to go by, but wish Sylveon could end up being the main support that you maybe wanted Blissey to be if if that is what they go with. And then Mamaswine, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be a defender or an all rounder because. You'd think, looking at it, that it'd be a defender. I think a lot of people look at Mamoswine and think that it's a defensive Pokemon. But when anytime I've used Mamoswine, it, it, back in Gen 7, prior to Sword and Shield, it was meta for quite a while. And it hits like a fucking truck. So <laughs> I, I I think that there's a very good
0: chance it's going to be an all-rounder, not a defender. That's interesting. I hadn't even considered that because, yeah, I totally just assumed it was going to be a defender. Um. The thing about Blissey, I think, I think Blissey is a really good option for a support, but I think the problem is is that it's kind of boring to play because you've got if you choose Helping Hand and Safeguard as your abilities, you're just like popping buffs and going on with your business. Like it, they're not fun abilities to use; they're not skill shots. Like you just use them as you're fighting. It, you know, you don't even target your teammates with them. And then, if, and then, if you use Egg Bomb and Soft Boiled, on the other hand, um, like in a ranged attack and a ranged support, it's a little more interesting. But I just don't think they have the same impact that, um, you know, like Safeguard does, even though it's kind of boring to use. So that's a shame because nobody wants to play support anyway in any game. So supports have to be even more interesting than other characters to get people because you don't get a lot of kills, right? People are just show show up to get kills.
5: Yeah, I totally agree and I think that's something we t- spoke about on last week's segment as well is that there needs to be some kind of thing introduced that rewards supports for performing well because at the moment we we spoke about this exact thing last week but mm-hmm. they're generally not going to get as many kills or score as many points for the most part and as a result of that they will always be bottom of the scoreboard at the end of the game and who wants to play every game be bottom of the scoreboard? I know I know realistically you want to win the matches and go up ranks and stuff, but you also like you know want to look as if you're playing well. And that's right. that's the draw to the likes of like, you know, your Greninjas and your Absol's is you're getting fifteen kills and scoring 120 points. Like, you know, you look like you carried the game, even though you could play well, but I mean it probably is your support carrying the game if you're being able to score that much, but it doesn't reward that. Yeah. Um, and I know it's not as simple as, like, you know, not all the supports heal or anything like that, but they could, you know, I, it sounds complex, like, you know, but other games do it. Like, they could have, like, you know, the amount of damage blocked by Mr. Mime's barrier contributes to its overall performance at the end of the game, or the amount that Eldegoss heals, or Blissey heals, or... But I do agree, like, it, it, it is kind of an issue with Blissey when you have this, like, super competent support when you play that way, but also it's just thoroughly uninteresting.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and that, that's going to push people away from the role. 100%. And that's,
5: but that's the thing. I, I think Sylveon could be a cool one. Like, if you got, like, a like a Wish Moonblast Sylveon or something like that, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Or Wish Dazzling Gleam or something like that. But who knows? That's another thing we spoke about. If Sylveon's there, then, like, you know, does that, like, you know, cancel out every other evolution? Because... It seems like it would to me. If you wanted one, you should go Umbreon. You should go, like, Toxic Moonlight Umbreon or something like that. Yes, he's
0: right. Listen to that. (laughs) Um, The release schedule for new Pokemon, at least so far, has been way better than I expected. I didn't think... A month in, we'd have three new uh Pokemon and that they'd already have announced two more. So I'm pretty happy with how yeah, I was expecting one every two months at the most, but so far it's been a lot faster. What I am feeling though is that we really need more maps and game modes. I am getting a little tired of having one map to play on.
5: I agree. I'm not sure how I would like for them to do it in terms of like, you know, if you could queue for a certain map for a certain game mode or whatever or if it was like a random sort of say they had three maps and UQ ranked and you get one of them I, yeah. I think that that would be that would make things a lot more interesting especially because like you know i find it interesting sometimes when you get a map you don't like and you're like oh like you know i hate this map but then you have a good game on that map and it just adds a lot more sort of like you know diversity to how you actually feel about the game but yeah, I think I think you're correct there. What kind of game modes do you think that we should put in?
0: I have an idea. This is my official pitch. I hope that Nintendo is listening or <laughs> I hope that the devs are listening. I want a sort of a double payload where you each lane has a point in the middle, and when you dunk, the point moves towards the opponent's base. Depending on how many you points you you dunk into the goal and both teams are it's like a tug of war they're trying to push rather than pull i guess they're trying to push the goal to one side or the other and if they can get the goal all the way to the opponent's base then they win it they win the game
5: that sounds pretty good i think that you might need to increase from like you know what is it at the moment there are four on either sides four points yeah and then, like, you know... Top, yeah. Two on top, top, two on bottom. Yeah, yeah. And then and either then the side base, at the bases. Yeah.
0: So there's five, I guess.
5: Yeah, that I'd say that's enough. It starts out in the middle, and you need to push it three. Yeah. You know, yeah. That sounds great.
0: <laughs> cool. Ship it.
5: <laughs> I think <laughs> Timmy Studios should hire you to come and consult on, you know, additional <laughs> game modes coming to Pokemon Unite.
0: It would change the way... That roles are picked because I, you know, obviously a defender isn't defending at that point, everybody's trying to score. So, um, but I don't know, like we've been saying, Blastoise doesn't have to just stand at the goal and defend, you know, if you choose the right abilities. That's the other thing, maybe it'll give a, a better reason to choose different abilities for the, the Pokemon you play. Um, yeah, the other thing is the battle pass is real bad. It's maybe the worst battle pass I've ever seen in my life for any game. (laughs) It's incredibly unrewarding. The cosmetics are poor pretty much across the board. There's really good stuff at the very end. And then there's some like Pikachu hoodies and stuff towards the end. Um, The Cinderace pirate one, I think is pretty good, but like the item enhancers you get and the AS coins If you finish the battle pass, you would get one item to level 18. I did the math on that one. One. If you spent all the tickets on item enhancers and used all the item enhancers, it wouldn't even get one item to 20.
5: I actually get annoyed when I get a battle pass notification because it's so bad that I think the actual effort of going into the battle pass to obtain it is not worth it, but also I hate notifications, so I go in and I'm never happy. Because like the only thing that I actually care about is when you get either you get ten item enhancers or you get like AOS tickets which you can spend on them, as you say. Yeah. And when I get them, I'm like, you know, oh cool. Then I'm like, my items are all like level 23. How am I supposed to like, you know? The upgrades are like 160 item enhancers now per level. Yeah. And it's just like no, the battle pass is absolutely terrible. I don't care about cosmetics, like especially for my trainer. I'd, every time I unlock one, my trainer is wearing exactly what I'm wearing right now, which is a black t-shirt and black shorts mm-hmm. and no hat, no gloves or anything like that. Just that and black shoes. That's it. Uh Every time I unlock one of them, it annoys me again because of the notification. I don't mind the the skins. Like, as you said, Pirate Cinderace is pretty cool. Um yeah.
0: And the Hip-Hop Pikachu is good, too.
5: Yeah, like, I'd probably use one of those if I if I unlocked it. Yeah. But it's not really a make-or-break situation for me. I, I I don't really care about them. It's just, like, you know, if I got one, I'd be like, oh, that's cool, for, like, 30 seconds. But, yeah, the Battle yeah. Pass is really bad.
0: Yeah. No, it's just not enough. I mean, at the very least, you need to have a Pokemon skin at 50 and 100. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't even you know only it. have one at the. You have one for buying it. You get one at level one, and you get one at ninety. The Cinderace one, and there's nothing in between. Everything else is just like t-shirts, socks, or tickets and item enhancers. That's the thing. It's not even good clothes. It's just fucking socks the entire time. Yeah, <laughs> like... it's like a white jacket, a white shirt, a blue shirt. Like you know what they should have done? Just go on the PokemonCenter.com. And all of the shirts and clothes you can buy there, just put those in the game. You don't even have to design new ones. Just use the ones that Pokemon already sells. Or even use the ones from Sword and Shield. Get that cool Shuckle shirt in there. I'm looking at it now. I am on
5: Battle Pass level... I just got 59.
0: I'm on 56.
5: And that was 50 Anointment Enhancers. The next thing I'll get is is a Pikachu hat. I'm not going to wear that. And then after that it's just like ugly jumpers and 15 item enhancers ago.
0: 15 item enhancers
5: is nothing. To be fair, every it looks like every what? It goes two rewards and then you get 150 tickets and you get 300 tickets which is 450 which is almost 50 item enhancers.
0: Right. But also keep but, in mind that all of those 150s Like, every five levels, you get 150 tickets. Those are all on the free track. That's not even part of the paid battle pass. So, like, what you're actually getting for paying for it is pretty pathetic. Oh, Jesus. Yeah,
5: no. That wouldn't be me.
0: Yeah. I shouldn't have done it, and next time I'm not going to do it unless it's, like, way different. I'm surprised. But, I mean, I don't know. There's only so many Pokemon you can buy. I have most of them. And after that, it's like if the battle passes aren't good what uh, what do they think? I mean I guess you can buy more costumes you can buy more yeah
5: I have all the unite licenses I want I don't mm-hmm. want any other ones because i've I've done practice with pretty much every single Pokemon there multiple times, so I know if someone has a playstyle that I don't like, and um, what's the point in me buying them if I don't enjoy playing as them? I try to keep enough AS coins for if someone drops that I like. I always have, like, enough in reserve that if someone drops that I like, I can get them without having to spend, like, money on that day or anything like that. So I try to keep, like, 10k AS coins minimum. But, well, I mean, you can't even spend AS coins on that much outside of the unite licenses.
0: Right. Uh, we have breaking news. <laughs> We're going to look at this live on the show because it just came through. The the Pokemon Go task force that was assembled to reassess the uh the pandemic changes has put just put out their statement as we're recording. The other day they said that the 80 meter interaction between Pokemon Stops and Gyms is going to be permanent, which is huge. That's like that's pretty for me that was the biggest thing was the range from Pokestops and Gyms. Uh, but now they've put out their full statement, and I'm just going to look at it really quick. Wait, there's nothing else here. It's literally just
5: that. It, all they're saying is that, as opposed to being reduced to 40 meters, it says, as announced last week, 80 meters will be the base interaction radius for Pokéstops and gyms globally from now on. That is fucking huge.
0: That that's great. They said that the other day, and then they said that there would be that there would be a more. To come, but there's nothing else here in today's statement. It's just sort of expanding on the 80 meter interaction range. I thought that they were going to say what else is changing. Um, that is
5: that is huge. Fine. Uh, yeah, Niantic,
0: that's great. Yeah,
5: Niantic actually listened and were like, yeah, sure, like you know, because there was no real way. Like it, it, Niantic has always had that thing, like oh, we we make these games to encourage people to go out into the real world and, you know, sort of experience nature and stuff, as opposed to like, we make these games because we do $1.8 billion revenue a year. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I I saw absolutely no reason to get rid of that because it's, it's such an amazing accessibility feature as well. And it just, it sort of, almost everyone I know who stopped playing it, stopped playing it because they were going out and, they had to like you know set aside time to consciously play it when it's it's a game that is also fun to just have on for like ten or fifteen minutes at a time, right. and also it eats your battery. Like you know if you can play at oh, home yeah. with with it plugged in, it means that you don't have to go out and like you know your phone is dead in forty minutes.
0: But, yeah, yeah. Props to them for for listening. I hope that we can get some other um, some other changes too. Um, the the stuff like the increased essence effectiveness i i think a lot of that stuff needs to stay um obviously we we got the remote raids and the um free battle mode you don't have to do your steps anymore to get into battles so i think all of those changes are like definitely for the for the benefit of the game so yep glad they glad they listened that's
5: I also think that, like you know, I I understand where Neantic was coming from, and like you know, oh, we want people to go out and walk to play this game, but if you put it into a like you know, a sort of very neutral context, imagine you were playing a game and the developers launched a patch that made it better in pretty much every conceivable way, and a year later they go, we're just going to rescind the patch, and you be right. like. But I'm used to this now and it's much better. Why would I like to go back to how it was before? It was like, oh, because that is like, you know, our creative vision. It was like, Yeah, but this is objectively better, and everyone who plays it is telling you that it's better.
0: Everyone likes it, yeah. Yeah. Wild. Um I think that's gonna pretty much do it for our Pokemon segment. Oh. Uh Evolving Skies came out, the new set since we last talked. It came out last Friday. Do you ever open packs, Keen? I do not.
5: I haven't actually really been too involved the TCG in, I'd say, about fifteen years. Right. On. I'm. I'm really. I'm really fascinated by it. I love speaking to people about it, and I can one hundred percent see the appeal. Yeah. I think I just fell off the wagon for long enough that getting back on became extremely daunting because I'd missed quite a lot.
0: Yeah, and it's. It's a very expensive hobby. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean packs uh, where I live packs are over $4 a piece. Um, yeah. And nobody just opens one pack. Right. Uh, <laughs> but I, I love this set. If you can get your hands on it. And honestly, like I Pokemon cards have been going through a lot <laughs> the last year. And uh, it's been, it, it's been really hard for fans and collectors to compete with, Scalpers and these sort of like short-term investors, to to use a nice phrase. Um, but I will say this: when I went to get cards on Friday, when when they came out, I just walked into multiple targets, multiple Game Stops, and was able to buy you know whatever their limit was. Usually, it's like five packs. I came back the next day and still got some more. So that's a huge difference. I you know over the last year you would show up at target when it was, when the store was opening and there'd be a line wrapped on the building to get cards. It was like black Friday, every single Friday to get Pokemon cards. Um, but it is a lot better. So if you bounced off of Pokemon cards over the last year, because of what a nightmare it became, it is getting better. It, it's the, I don't know if it's because they're printing more or if those scalpers have moved on to whatever their next opportunity is. Um, but it's, It's getting better and Evolving Skies is an incredible set, dude. There there are 32 different Eevee Evolution cards in this (laughs) set. Like there's six Umbreon's. There's six Sylveon's. Um, Unfortunately, there's only like two Flareon, Jolteon, and Vaporeon. um, So it's not even across the board, but they all have like alternate art, full art, rainbow versions, Pokemon cards are like crazy these days with all the different variants you can get. But they yeah, they did this set. Not only is it full of Eevees. now nah, I'm totally rambling. Sorry. Not only is it full of Eevees, but they brought dragons back. Dragons haven't been in the game for three years.
5: Holy shit, really?
0: Yeah, they changed. They got rid of dragon type. They got rid of dragon energy, and they turned dragons into whatever. If they had like a, a secondary um, type, that's what they would be. But so like now, Dragonite was flying type. Dragapult would be ghost type. Dragon, like Well, it would have been normal, because there's no flying in the card game. So okay. yeah, Dragon Dragonite was changed to normal. Um yeah. That is so, wild. so Dragon type is back. There's no Dragon energy. They still use, you know, all their abilities are going to be either like normal or fire or whatever. Um, but yeah, the the like the dragon type cards are back and they uh they printed like a ton, they printed like 50 dragon types in this set, so yeah. If you're a dragon fan or an Eevee fan, it's a s- super fun set. I've been opening them on stream on the gamers page, uh, and having a ton of fun hunting Eevees. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got anything good yet? Uh, yeah, I got an Umbreon V Max yesterday on stream. I opened an Espeon V, I've gotten two different Glaceons, I got the an alternate art Glaceon, that's really nice. Um, Oh, also yesterday I got in the same box, uh, Lycanroc V and the full art Lycanroc V. So that was pretty cool to get both kinds at the same time. So yeah, good set. All right, any other Pokemon thoughts in our <laughs> our now weekly Pokemon segment?
5: <laughs> no, I was just about to say those two Lycanroc cards look very nice. Yeah, but right other than that, no. I think I think we've covered. Pretty much as, as much Pokemon news as we can this week. I mean, we're probably gonna do another Pokemon segment
0: next week. <laughs> yeah, we probably are. We probably are. We need to get uh we need to get more of the the gamer team in on Pokemon. I I don't think they're super fans like we are, but we'll get the whole team <laughs> in heavily invested. I think if we
5: say that to them, that might like, you know, make them, you know, sort of be like, No, we are. So hopefully
0: <laughs> True. <laughs> cool. All right, thanks, Keane. We'll see you next time that's our show for the week thank you so much for listening and if you're on a podcast app like apple or google or spotify if you could please leave us a review that helps the show a lot also reach out to me at epic Switzer on twitter and tell me what you like about the show or if you hate it tell me that too i can take it see you next week